Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers for DC. Welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. I'm Arthi Shaw, Senior Editor of The Homes Report. It is a somewhat drizzly day here in San Francisco. Although those of you following the California drought situation know that we do need the rain. So on today's show, we have Matt Regus, Regus rhymes with Vegas, as he told me, um, who is an associate professor um, in DePaul University's PR and advertising program. He is co-author with Ron Culp of a book that came out last year, Business Essentials for Strategic Communicators. Um, Matt joins us from the windy city of Chicago. Welcome, Matt, although I suspect it's not too windy in Chicago today. We've actually got some uh, great weather today, so um, great to be here. Excited to uh, be joining the show. Great, great. Well, let's dive right in then. So your, your, your book basically makes a case that it's absolutely necessary that PR professionals understand sort of the basic fundamentals of business. And I like how you sort of nicely sum up how PR has changed over the last few decades by looking at the questions that CEOs ask their PR leaders. And this mm-hmm. went from CEOs asking their PR person, how do I say this? To what do I say? And now we're entering in this era where CEOs are asking their PR people, what do I do? And, and so, so to me, and, and to me, this indicates that PR has become a better business partner to the C-suite. I think you're right. You know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. We talk a lot about for, for decades now of PR getting a seat at the table, so to speak. Um, and I think in a lot of cases, there's data that bears this out, that uh, the chief communication officer or a similar title um, does have the ear of the CEO and a seat at the table, or at least is advising uh, the CEO. And so I think as we move more from PR being about messaging and words and images, and not that those things aren't important, but it's more about actually influencing the behaviors of the organization, um, that's a different skill set. And that, that assumes that uh, the corporate communication function, uh, strategic communicators, that they understand more broadly about the business. Because if we're going to be trusted advisors, then that, that's a different skill set. That means that we, we're more than experts in media relations and uh, issues management. But we're also understanding and interacting with all these other functions and departments in the organization, whether that's HR or finance or accounting or the folks over in uh, investor relations. So the book that Ron and I put together is really then sort of a primer, um, almost a um, – an MBA for non-MBAs, if you will, in terms of the contents to help get more PR professionals up to speed so they can fulfill that mandate of being trusted advisors. Now, are there any skill sets in particular that you think are especially important in order for a communicator to be to sort of have that kind of influence within their organization? Well, you know, it's interesting. One thing we found in doing research uh, for this book is we actually went out and interviewed a couple dozen uh, chief communication officers or, or heads of agencies or former heads of agencies. And we kept hearing again and again that they view themselves first and foremost as business people uh, with expertise in public relations and strategic communication rather than the other way around. And so I think that's, a, that's an interesting mindset when you think about the really most successful and most powerful folks in our field. First and foremost, they're saying that we're a business person. And that if we want to actually have a voice and seat at the table, then we need to understand what a lot of times is being referred to now as sort of the business of the business. 
So on one hand, you spoke to some of the most senior level senior mm-hmm. level communicators in our industry, and, and they and they go to work with this mindset, which makes sense given the role that they're in. You also talk to students. Do you find that there's still a group of students that you know go into PR because they 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 like writing, or you know it's more oriented around the softer skills, and there's less of a, an awareness around sort of the business impact of communications and is. And, you know, what, what are you seeing sort of in, in tomorrow's Yeah, day it's, 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 that's a great question. And so, um, so I spend a lot of time with both undergraduate students and then uh, graduate students in our master's in PR and uh, advertising program here at DePaul. Uh, and definitely, you know, students who are drawn to the field, they tend to have more of a background with, uh, with writing, um, uh, events, creative side of things, interest in uh, social media. A lot of students that I would tell you want to have a positive impact on organizations. And so social responsibility is something that CSR is very much of interest to our students as well. But as you get deeper into conversations, they want to do more than uh, plan events, write news releases, uh, be great at media relations. They truly want to have an impact on the organizations they work with or advise. And so that kind of quickly shifts that into – Okay, guys, if we want to do that, how do we go about doing that? And again, that gets back to how do we become, you know, contribute to the organization in meaningful ways where we can actually impact policies and decisions. And so a lot of that, you know, in a lot of cases, they're going to work for agencies and the clients are going to be corporations or they're going to one day work in-house, you know, at businesses of different sizes. And so, again, like it's interesting whether you're a junior professional or mid-level or um, the senior folks, uh, you know, the CCOs, the agency uh, heads. I think it's all like pointing back in the direction increasingly of building business acumen and business skills uh, for uh, aspiring or current PR professionals. So I'm actually glad that you mentioned agency side because, I mean, aside from being partners to their clients or their CEOs, I mean, there's also an operational business know-how that you need if you're going Mm -hmm. to rise to the top of an agency environment, right? Or if you start your own business. I mean, um, so, I mean, when you talk to students, I mean, how aware are they that they'll need this acumen if they were to become a regional lead for for a big agency and they're managing a P&L or if they... Um, start their own business and, and, and um, you know, are running a boutique to midsize agency one day. Is there, is there an awareness that they would need this even, you know, on a day-to-day um, to do their jobs at the highest levels on top of it, being a counselor to clients? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. As they start to get into um, internships, the whole bunch of our students, because we're here in Chicago, you know, we're sort of the second largest uh, agency market. Um, and as they get into internships or then full-time jobs, you know, and as they're tracking, keeping track of their hours, and they're starting to understand more about actually a P&L, um, maybe they're not managing that themselves, but they're starting to hear these terms and know what's out there. Um, they're very interested in it, and they get very curious about agency and sort of account management and the ins and outs of sort of how that world works. And then one of the great things um, that's exciting about teaching here in Chicago is we, we do a whole lot with bringing in um, alums of our program or bringing in professionals. And that's one thing you're going to hear, you know, that they hear again and again is that, man, I wish, I wish when I was back in school that I had more exposure um, to sort of the business of the business. What is your pulse on how well the 
um, colleges are doing to basically educate this next generation. I know there's there's an anecdote in your foreword, right, from Gary Schaffer from GE, from I think it's from 1999 when he was in, in, in Jack Welch's office, and he and, and you know they start talking in straight business terms. He had this moment where he realized that if he wanted to be a trusted advisor to, to, to the C-suite, right, he needed to be a smart business person. And and I mean, so, so I mean, do you think PR education programs are doing a better job of making sure that you know today's graduates don't end up in the situation that Gary found himself in in, in 1999? Well, the funny thing is, first I say it's worked out okay for Gary. It has, hasn't it? Uh, he's gotten up to speed, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's had a uh, he's had a fantastic uh, career and does a lot of fantastic stuff. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know it's it's um, it's interesting. There's a group, the Commission on Public Relations Education, that puts out sort of guidelines on uh, PR curriculum for programs, and and they've been beating the drum for oh at least a decade, and probably. Uh, I probably have it wrong, probably 15, 20 years now on that PR students should know about finance and economics and just basics of business. And so hopefully our book in a small way, I mean, the reception has been has been great. Um, programs from NYU to USC to University of Alabama, BYU, Georgia, a lot of the uh, Marquette up, up here in the Midwest, a lot of these programs are talking about using the book in the classroom and I got to tell you, honestly, when we wrote the book, the initial reaction and initial audience we thought was more um, court comm departments in-house, younger professionals and just folks buying the book on their own. Um, but programs have shown a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around it because honestly, I don't think there's been a lot of resources that are out there. I mean, sure, there's all these business books written for MBAs and for business majors, but there's surprisingly not that much in the way of materials that are out there actually written more for a strategic communication student or professional um, about the world of business. And, and I'm not sure how much you are aware of, you know, like, I mean, you know, having a, a business minor or a business concentration um, within public relations. I mean, if you're seeing that that's being introduced more widely. Um, you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. There are some more partnerships going on, whether it's um, – the USC's of the world or uh, Syracuse would come to mind um, out east that are doing more partnerships between uh, business schools and then J schools. And so um, there is that going on. Um, the other thing that I would point to, just thinking about research uh, that I've done with Gorkana for the past couple of years, has been interestingly enough when you ask financial journalists um, what they would like to, to have better relationships with them as PR pros. And I find it so interesting that they talk about greater knowledge of subjects, companies, and industries that PR pros represent. And so again, it's 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 interesting how that works its way right back to business. That you know, financial journalists—that's an important stakeholder group for for PR pros. What do they want to see? Well, they want to have folks that are that they're working with on the PR side who actually understand more than on a superficial level the actual businesses that they represent. Mm-hmm. We hear this again and again. I've heard it from both journalists and also analysts, and they said one of the most uncomfortable things when they are on a call with a PR person waiting for you know whoever the subject matter expert is to join is when the PR person can't talk about anything other than, you know, how is the weather, you know, really... Um, you know, conversational niceties, right? And, and they can't actually start answering some questions that either the journalist or the analyst has about the business um, as a whole. So that's a good a, a good tie-in there. I actually have a, a, a couple of other questions about the Gorkana study, but business acumen. You know, sure. you, you mentioned sort of two things. You said, you know, this is sort of a 
um, an MBA for non-MBAs, but then also that there should be more than a superficial um, understanding of business fundamentals. And and you know, this is, seems like this one. Of, this is a situation where it's you know, is it is it? Are we looking at sort of a mile wide, sort of inch deep situation? Because I've heard you know, in, in our industry, on a separate topic, I've heard a lot of folks say that they want to hire statisticians. And, you know, you know, to, to join their team. But that really hasn't played out very well. Because realistically, you don't need to have a degree in statistics to be able to look at data and draw a narrative from it, right? And, and the same thing, I wonder, you know, with business, I mean, do you necessarily need, you know, an MBA or just like a solid working knowledge of business? And, and I'll caveat this with, I mean, if you are running a, a multi, you know, million dollar agency, I mean, I'm sure having an MBA does not hurt at all. But, you know, I mean, but is it is it realistic to to expect that, you know, people in our business will, you know, all have MBAs if they want to, you know, reach the highest levels? It's it's really interesting because that's a question that um, pops up a lot because I'm academic director of our graduate program in PR and advertising and have been doing a lot of talks on business acumen as it relates to PR. And so a question I think has popped up every time is, should I go out and get an MBA? Do I need an MBA? And my answer to that is MBA is three letters, right? Um, three letters that are widely recognizable, but you really need to look at the quality of the program and the institution, and what are the contents of that program. So, I, you know, what I, my thinking on this is, if you're going to go and work in financial communications or investor relations, maybe if you're focused just on corporate affairs type practices, I can see how the MBA from the right institution could benefit you. Um, I could also see how you can pick up a lot of information on your own. We have this little thing called Google and the web that's out there and Amazon. And so I think about our own book and I really think about the book as a launching off point. Um, and so it's giving you a taste of accounting and finance and uh, corporate disclosures and, and sort of corporate law. Um, but it also gives you 300 plus references that you could then dive into and um, you know self-study on your own any of these different um, topics. So I think you bring up a great point, uh, you know, this debate of graduate education um, in our field. I can tell you with our program, we encourage students to go and take several classes over in the business school. Um, and so a lot of cases our students will take a grad level management class, a grad level um, marketing class, but then they're also getting business concepts in many of our classes. Whether it's account management or it's it's my corporate communication um, class, so I, I I wish there was just one answer and one way to go about it, but I think there's a variety of um, paths in terms of um, traditional education and then sort of continuing in professional ed. Right, and and you know, and there's um, I mean, there's no shortage of MBA reading lists out there. I mean, I think just about. Um, I mean, if you just Google that alone, I mean, you'll just come up with so many. Um, and then, and many of them sort of are geared towards a specific, you know, concentration, whatever, whatever that might be, whether it's marketing or finance or accounting. Um, one of, you know, the other things that you mentioned was, you know, a lot of people had wished they understood the business of the business a little mm -hmm. bit better. Um, and that, and that seems to be one of these things that the industry just sort of expects people to learn on the job, right? I mean, you know, I mean, if you want to run an agency one day, whether it's your own or you know someone else's, it's on-the-job training. And because of that, what we've always seen, we've seen brilliant PR people who end up being sort of mediocre, you know, business people at the end of the day, right? I mean, they, you know, they're, they're, they were brilliant and, and, and really talented at at being PR people, account management, um, 
you know, the, the that side of the business. But once they were, and because of that, they were promoted to the point where they were they were they weren't doing the PR anymore. They were running a PNL, and they weren't maybe as good at running the PNL as they were um, doing the actual hands-on work. I mean, do you do you have any thoughts in terms of how we can sort of bridge that divide? How, you know, in, in our business being really, really good at PR doesn't necessarily have to mean that you have to stop doing the work and how can you integrate that better with sort of doing the business side of things? Is it, is it training people earlier on so that they are growing both of those skill sets throughout their career rather than being thrust into the business side, you know, when they're, when they're you know, 20 years experience and then suddenly they're told, oh, wow, you're so good. Here's a PNL. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, I think it's a challenge that a lot of different professions face. I don't think we're um, that unique in that. Um, I do think that there's a there's there's a positive here, and that at least what I'm seeing anecdotally, there's a greater investment now that the economy's improved in in-house uh, training and development programs, and there's more sort of in-house uh, universities as well as bringing consulting consulting firms and sort of outside um, experts in that, and so um, hopefully that's an area that there's going to be a greater focus uh, placed upon. I can tell you it's something that. Students are very interested in, you know, as you said, Arthi, there's no way for them until they get into that environment, how would they know about this? Um, it's kind of not what's projected the image of PR from the outside. Uh, it's probably not P&Ls and sort of account management and, uh, and, and making numbers and, you know, managing, uh, balancing revenue and expenses and generating a profit. So um, it is a challenge, but I think we're making positive steps in that we are seeing more account management-related classes popping up, uh, agency management classes popping up at universities, and I, you know I think it's something that's recognized as a uh, an issue out there. So let's um, touch quickly on on the study that you did with Gracana. So this so you you all surveyed um, financial journalists. I believe it was about four hundred U.S.-based financial journalists, mm-hmm. and um, we saw lots of optimism. I think seventy four percent have a positive outlook for the U.S. economy. They're happy. They're bullish. Yes, exactly. That's that's um, that's good to hear. Um, and I think it was uh, you know unsurprisingly they were kind of mixed about the future of their own professions, which I know we've all. Um, witnessed, you know, what's been happening to, to the media profession over the last few decades. Um, so what I found, what I found notable was, was again, it was the role that PR pl- people are playing in, you know, they're playing an increasingly important role in, in story sourcing. And I think you mentioned 26% cited that corporate newsrooms are an important site for story generation. Oftentimes agencies or, you know, communicators are involved in, in building that. And then I think 21% outright said that um, they rely on PR professionals, PR pitches for their stories. Um, any any thoughts in terms of, can you put those numbers in any kind of context? Is that a bump up? Is that, is that a step back? And, and what can the industry do to keep those numbers going in, in their direction? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting. And so it's really chronicled sort of as we came out of uh, sort of the bust, right, and, then, and, and the downturn. And now... Uh, we're seeing greater levels of um, optimism. So it's kind of neat that we have this longitudinal data and we've been asking these questions now for a couple years. So what does this stuff mean? As it relates to usage of uh, sources for story ideas, um, and so I I think it is interesting that 26% of these financial journalists do say they're using uh, corporate newsrooms. Um, An even higher percentage, about almost half, Still say they're relying upon corporate news releases, and um, you know we. I'm sure we've discussed many times is the news release dead? 
so I can tell you, at least among financial journalists, uh, they're still making use of uh, news releases. A much higher percentage, so the number one source they're turning to is uh, subject matter experts or SMEs. And so I find that really, um, really interesting as we think about as PR professionals. So um, usage of actual PR persons for pitching a story is substantially lower. So 21% versus subject matter experts is 71%. And um, so I don't think this is, this is shocking for anyone who's done media relations uh, for a while. Um, at the end of the day, journalists want to talk to uh, CEOs or, or folks that are in positions of uh, perceived power, and they want to talk to uh, expert sources. And so I think there's some real implications here from a media relations perspective. This is stuff that may have been in our gut, right, that we kind of think, hey, you know, they want to get on the phone with or uh, sit down or do a desk side with, uh, you know, the CEO, or they'd rather actually if we can position uh, subject matter experts, whether that's scientists or academics, that those are sources they're more interested in. But what's nice with this survey is we actually now have the data to uh, sort of go beyond the hunch and actually sort of sort these things out in terms of usage of sources by financial journalists. Right. Yeah, no, I think um, very rarely does someone want to talk to anybody with marketing or communications <laughs> in their title as a source of their story, unless it's, you know, a trade specifically, you know, on that um, discipline. But, um, but yeah, it is good to have that validated, right, with data. One of the, the other points that, that you mentioned in terms of, you know, the news release, right? It, I mean, because, gosh, that's been debated over and over and over. But, you know, I, to, to your point, I mean, one area that I do still, people will always caveat and say, except for when it comes to financial disclosures, because, because in that area, people, you know, if you're a publicly traded company, news releases are still so important. Um, and even, you know, even for like um, funding rounds and things like that, I think a lot of people still rely on that. Um, so, so long live news release when it comes to financial, <laughs> financial communications, at least. This is, the, this is another topic for the future is um, revisiting the is, the, is the press release dead? I mean, you know, what I always find, and I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on this, Matt, it's about communicating whatever it is that your organization is doing, whether you're doing it on your blog, on your social channels, whether you're using a news release, whether you're actually, you know, making the investment to put it on the wires or just sending it directly to who have signed up right. to, to receive that information. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's you know, our entire industry is a living document, right? I mean, it's, there's no one channel that's going to Definitely. dominate. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's funny. I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking over this list right now and we've been asking about corporate social media and how frequently they're used as a, a, a you know a source for story ideas, and so I'm looking back at 2012, um, and this is looking at frequency, and it's like five percent use it very often. Uh, 2015, we're up to 16 percent, so it's clearly growing. You know, it, it it tripled, but from a very low base. And then you look at the trusty old corporate news release, and uh, it's actually over that stretch of four years, it's gone up, and it's at 46 percent. So it's interesting, and I think you're making a great point in that the world of corporate disclosures, um, investor relations, financial information, it is um, it is quite different for a variety of reasons um, in terms of communication channels and techniques um, than, let's say, consumer or brand, mm -hmm. you know, some some other area. Well, Matt, it was. I feel like there's 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 much more that we can talk about, so we will certainly have you on again in the future. Um, well, but I, I appreciate your, your time today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun to uh, 
talk about the book and then the uh, Gorkana survey of financial journalists. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks so much. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. 